Come on in, guys. Welcome to the Sit Out Bench. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. We're two friends from the Midlands who are absolutely diehard Survivor fans. We're excited for you to join us for pre season, in season, and post season content focusing on Survivor UK. You can follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, follow us, interact with us, and definitely give us a five star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to the pod. On today's episode, we'll be doing our episodes 11 and 12 recap for Survivor UK. So take your spot on the sit-out bench and let's get started. Joe, how are you? Matt, I'm doing fantastic. It's been another brilliant, brilliant week. Um, and actually, it's been snowing here in Nottingham as well today, so that's been wicked. So got out sledging with the girls, built a snowman, what we're calling a snow duck. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really just a blob of snow that's kind of stood next to it. <laughs> it was supposed to be a snow child, but it didn't quite work out. But more than anything, I am really excited to have you with me. I'm, I'm not going to lie, when we were texting this weekend, I thought I'd lost you forever. <laughs> I, I, was, I thought injuries would occur, because you've had a wild weekend, right? It should have been a really boring weekend, to be honest. <laughs> We've got a, a barbecue that has a rotisserie stick. So we were planning on cooking the turkey for Christmas on the barbecue. We thought, oh, we should probably like practice for it. So we got like a very small joint of meat kind of rotisserie on the barbecue but when we opened it there was some mold on the the thing so we're like oh i need to clean that uh, and my partner decided we needed to do a full clean a bit so we decided to get the jet wash out <laughs> so in the summer we do normally jet wash the barbecue and it's normally like fine however <laughs> okay. however we forgot about the temperature that it was outside which was like minus two so we jet washed it and then obviously the water that went in it must have froze we were trying to turn it on and it was making like these really loud noises when we were turning the gas on and we were like oh that doesn't sound good and part of it was like i'm gonna light it and i was like i feel like you really shouldn't light it so there's me like sliding across the patio to get around the corner of the house so i don't die and, and um so yeah, he lit it, ignited it, and then the whole front of the barbecue set on fire. <laughs> <laughs> like no flames way. blasting everywhere. I'm on the other side of the garden behind the house. And he just has to like try and turn all the knobs off. Jeez. And turn the gas off. I mean, it was just never going to end well. <laughs> wow. That's crazy, man. It went out eventually by itself, or was it Fire Brigade? Uh, no, so when the gas got cut off, it eventually went out. But what I think happened was when we jet washed it, it had frozen like where the gas is meant to go through to get to like, for like the fire to come up. So all the gas was stuck up the front underneath like the, the knob bit. So. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is you're actually a crazy pyromaniac. Who is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lack of common sense was used. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so can the barbecue be saved is this uh still christmas um, cookable tbd <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done try it again since but also like because the floor was slippy because it was frozen but like it was also because it was kind of like algae we jet washed the patio as well but then obviously that froze immediately as well oh. so uh yeah very dangerous that's like a trap from home alone you know where like the, yeah. there's ice everywhere and there's fire and... <laughs> do not recommend Okay, well, watch out, people. Everyone who listens to the pod will soon be setting up a GoFundMe for, <laughs> for, for Matthew's Christmas dinner, cooking <laughs> utensils. 
I think we were banking on the barbecue because now we've got to cook everything in the oven and there's going to be no space. Oh, dude, it's a nightmare, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Christmas, uh, side tangent, it brings out like the best and the worst in people. So we were at a Christmas market on Saturday for my mother-in-law's like birthday sort of thing. And I really like Christmas markets. They're really good fun. But like they're like absolute rip-offs as well. I bought a cheese toasty for my daughter from one of these food vans. A cheese toasty. It was eight quid. Like <laughs> just, just for like bread and cheese. Oh, it was the biggest rip-off. And it took me like twenty-five minutes till they cooked it and could do it properly. It was the one of the worst <laughs> Christmas man. Jeez. It's a great a great time, spirit of giving, but also someone's making a huge amount of money from it. That being said, let's move on. We're not here to complain about um, fires and Christmas cheese toasties. Let's talk about Survivor. We had episodes 11 and 12 this Saturday and Sunday. How much did you love these two episodes? I was absolutely hyped. Like You probably saw my live tweets where I was going absolutely mental. I think I just pressed a load of buttons on the keypad <laughs> for, for one of them. But obviously, two massive blind sides. And I think what, what makes these so great is the first one wasn't so much of a viewer blindside. We kind of understood how it happened and why it happened. But the second one was, like, shocking to me. I did not expect that in a million years. The two people who were getting the the quote-unquote winner's edits blindsided back-to-back. An absolutely wild night of TV. It was really, really good. 11 was solid. I wasn't as in love with it as your live tweets were. (laughs) When I turned my notifications on, I was like, wow, he loved this way more than I did. (laughs) but you know what? Everything doesn't have to be a home run. So it's like when I watch like a fight, you know, if I see four rounds of just solid action and then get a knockout in the fifth, it's worth it. And that's kind of how I felt about these two episodes. I thought 11 was a solid episode. Great ending and blindside with Doug, which you're right, as viewers we saw coming. I didn't see that coming last week. I never would have picked that. <laughs> episode 12 was mind blowing. and I was watching in real time just absolutely amazed that people had done this that this was survivor uk it was really really exciting my jaw was on the floor my heart was pounding i think i squealed when that last move (laughs) and let's be honest god bless chris and matt like you know whoever whoever are the people who who put two and two together to make those lovely human beings we needed them and they were just outstanding these two episodes not only did it finally feel like Survivor, which I think we said last week, but this felt like good Survivor, and that's yeah. the distinction that needs to be made here. It's like, pre-merge, we did not like. Post-merge, this has been four very strong episodes. 100%. Back-to-back. And with the Doug one, obviously, although we saw it coming, it feels like, for me, some of the best Survivor episodes are the ones where it's signposted who's going home, and they kind of just follow the lead up to that. Like, I don't think everything has to be a massive surprise, but obviously when you get ones that are as shocking and as great as Tanuke's, you know, that's when they really hit as well. Definitely. And I have to kind of not apologise. I've been both high and low on Chris, but can you imagine if Chris had got voted out in episode 10? You know, just the totally different ride that we're on right now. He is played an amazing two episodes an amazing six days of his life here in survivor <laughs> it's it's so good my mum who is not a huge survivor fan she's kind of she's getting into it she texts me today to say wow i really like the leopard man 
<laughs> so, Chris, you know, you've got my mum supporting you, but she wasn't at the beginning, so that's pretty good. So, <laughs> friend of the pod, Chris Hall, you know, send us some calendars. Happy to support. Send us some <laughs> calendars. <laughs> Need some stocking stuffers for my mum now. That's, uh... <laughs> but, yeah, everything about Chris was what we needed really from Survivor at the beginning. But if we didn't have it at the beginning, you're right, at the merge, he was phenomenal in pushing the action, pressing the narrative. He wasn't without faults. He made a lot of mistakes, but he did so much that we needed and wanted to see from Survivor players. Same with Matthew. What I really loved about Matthew's arc over these two episodes is kind of that emotional connection that we saw from Matthew as well. We really saw how the episode 12 votes started to tug on his heartstrings. He felt torn about it, but ultimately decided to make a move for his own good and for the game. Those two in particular stand out. Obviously, we saw how well he played, but I think we have to point out just how much he's advanced the strategy in these four episodes as well. We've had the idol, we've had a split vote, we've had an extra vote, we've had a fake idol, we've had convincing someone to turn against their own alliance all across these episodes since the merge, plus some absolute sass at Tribal Council. (laughs) You know, not only is he bringing the entertainment, he's bringing the strategy, and it's just fantastic TV. Yeah, in a weird way, he is now... Not maybe the favourite to win everything, but he is the person I am rooting for the most, which I never would have said back in our pre-season cast assessment. I never would have said after the tribe swap. But yeah, he's someone who I'm really hoping <laughs> keeps going in week by week, and that, that blows my mind to say. But Yeah, it's, it's fascinating how quickly he's gone from like power duo to underdog <laughs> so fast. Uh, you know, he's taken the, the underdog from Doug. The inverse for me, we're going to talk about him a little bit later, but the trajectory of him and Nathan, where at the beginning, I couldn't stop almost praising Nathan and thinking he was doing such a good job. And it felt like they've sort of met in the middle and they've just crossed paths and Chris has suddenly become the hero and Nathan's become like the the sourpuss a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll talk about some of the things Nathan said at Tribal a little bit later on, but uh, there was a lot of uh, pot kettle black going going on there. (laughs) Well, let's move on. This week, we said goodbye to two absolutely iconic Survivor UK players. As he said, we had two blind sides. In episode 11, we said goodbye to the underdog. (laughs) The king, the shy horse, I see he's trying to create a nickname for himself called the Shy Horse. It's a bit late, Doug, to create a nickname on the week you get voted out. (laughs) Your choice. We also said goodbye to Tanuke in episode 12. These were people who were frontrunners. So particularly Tanuke, every week when we're doing the cast capital, she is there at the top, I think now for the last five weeks in a row. Um, Yeah, every single week. Doug as well has always been really high on our rankings, has maybe slipped a little bit at the merge. But it's time, I think, to pose that question around what went wrong for Doug and what went wrong for Tanuke. And the way we're going to do this, Matt, is we're going to play Pick Your Poison. So I'm going to give you, Matt, three moments in Doug's Survivor UK journey. And you have to tell me which is the moment you think turned his game and eventually led to him being voted out here in episode 11. I like this, I like this. Option one happened really recently in episode 11, deciding not to side with Chris and try to convince everyone to stay Manena strong. Option two, just after the merge, Doug decided to vote with Lee and Hannah um, and target Ashley. Ultimately, that was an incorrect move and Lee got voted out of the game. 
Option three happens way back in Tribe Swap, where Doug decided to flip on Lawrence and Shy and votes with Nathan to vote Shy out of the game. Pick your poison, Matt. Which of those three moments do you think were most critical is downfall? This is hard, right? Because each one of those, I would say, is one of the main flaws that led to his downfall. If we go back to the earliest one, choosing to take out Shy over Nathan. Obviously, I called it at the time saying I think that was a mistake because obviously allowing Nathan to, to get back with the group at the merge. But I don't think, you know, it was the be all and end all there because I think even if he had kept Shy around, Shy is someone who would possibly have targeted Doug for the threat anyway. I think I'm going to have to go with this week, not not going back with Chris because I think. What do I go with last week? Yeah, I'll go last week. Then I should have got a handle on the numbers. They should have targeted Nathan over again with Chris Slash. I think that is probably the biggest mistake here. So I'm going to go off menu and tell you there was a secret answer that you should have wow. picked. <laughs> was it just being a threat? <laughs> <laughs> the honest answer to this question is his decision to swap tribes. I think that is the the single decision that if you factor back that he made that one point where his game all fell apart. Yeah, because Lenena's whole game fell apart without him there, realistically. So I see where you're going with that. 100%. So let's, again, if he stays, he has more time to build a core alliance with Ren, Hannah, Chris, who loved him at the time, you know, and probably still does love him to some extent, but it just feels like a different relationship. He would have had Lee and Pegleg as well and easily gone into the merge with numbers. Yeah, I think he, by swapping, he kind of tricked himself into the mindset of, you know, tribal lines aren't here anymore, when that just realistically wasn't the case for anyone else. And he swapped with the ambition, the correct ambition, to try and build alliances across tribes and to try and get new relationships with other people. But as the merge has happened, we've seen none of that. You know, he's just talked really to the Lenena people or gone with a consensus vote for the most part. Yeah, he definitely took a backseat. And I think that was probably smart in terms of trying to lower his threat level, but I think he, he, he wasn't aware to the things that were going on around him. And we're going to get more into it as we kind of go through episode 11. But yeah, complete U-turn. These last few episodes for Doug in terms of pre-merge, he was really a main character, doing lots of exciting things. And it felt like he understood the game. And it felt at the merge that his game just didn't step up a gear. I don't think he was necessarily doing anything wrong. He just wasn't playing with any more intensity or tenacity or maybe the other players had just caught up. Did you see the the meme? The three-headed dragon meme? No, I haven't seen this. <laughs> saying Doug's game pre-merge, Doug's game at the swap and Doug's game post-merge. Oh no. I mean, I don't think that's fair. I think, you know, his post-merge game wasn't that bad, but... <laughs> It was brilliant either way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that's Doug. Let's talk to Nuke. And again, I'll get you to pick your poison. This was really hard because I don't think she actually made a mistake. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, I feel the same. <laughs> okay, so I have two moments where you can kind of pick your poison and decide what was most important or what went wrong for Tanuke in terms of being voted out of the game. Option number one is in episode 11 deciding to target Doug instead of Chris so just making that move one moment too early option number two 
happens in episode 12, where she turned into a mafia boss and tried to strong arm Pegleg and Hannah rather than bringing them in to the plan. Pick your poison. I'm going to pull the neither of those answers as a secret <laughs> third answer. I think there's two more moments that contributed more to her downfall than those two. The first, again, being choosing to swap over, obviously leaving Jess to get taken out there. Um, we talked about that at the time, how that possibly wasn't the best move. But the main one is she was too obviously close to Nathan. This Fresh king out. and queen thing, you know, obviously that's not the case, but just being seen together too much. If you're playing Tanuke's game where you have a strong four, you need to make sure that every person in that group feels like they're the closest person to you. Matthew saw that Nathan was clearly closer to her than he was. If he didn't think, if he wasn't convinced that that was the case, I don't think he would have flipped it. He only saw that, didn't he, in episode 12. I suppose in some ways she was good at doing that to people who were in her alliance to making them feel comfortable, but she wasn't good at projecting that outwards to people who weren't in the alliance. And, yeah. And they're the ones whispering away. And I don't think she did this too badly, but I think it was enough that Chris was able to convince Matthew. And it might have just been Matthew's paranoia. Tanuke played a near flawless game, in quite honestly, as far as a first season of Survivor UK goes. I don't think there's anything she could have got any differently. I just think... She got outplayed and it was very unlucky. Yeah, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Nathan and Tanuke could have played their relationship slightly different in terms of that that dynamic. I do feel that episode 11 move as well just kind of tipped the scale a little bit too far. I think that move had to be made to secure Kalatong getting to the end. If I was going to criticise that at all, it's that... She was pushing the narrative so hard that she wasn't playing the game and then suddenly massively playing the game. And to prove how how, how well she was playing, Leilani and Nathan turned around and being like, the game starts now, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Despite the fact that being slated anyone who's been making a move for the past few episodes. It's okay now to play the game. Tanuke said so. Yeah. <laughs> like you see that moment where Tanuke says to Nathan, let's go for Doug. And you see his like brain like ticking for like ten seconds and he goes, Okay. <laughs> but that is very um symptomatic of their relationship the whole way through to be honest yeah you know mum can i have a biscuit no not right now (laughs) (laughs) she had an iron grip over that alliance it it was so impressive and a massive shame but what i will say is last week we talked about all stars tanuke and doug are locks for all stars i think tanuke doug lee jess that's what i'm looking at so far from this season they're, they're both players that come back and play even better games, I think, second time round. In a lot of ways, not winning has left the door open for them more than if they were to win a season, come back and be sort of easy targets. Don't let the winner win again. But it has completely changed this season. We had these people. So, Doug was your winner pick. Um, yeah, they were both on my fantasy team as well. So taking a, <laughs> and Ashley was as well. <laughs> I've taken a lot of knocks over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> we need to update scores <laughs> for do. our fantasy team. Um, watch out for Instagram. We'll update it there. Probably. Um... <laughs> <laughs> if we remember. <laughs> but the whole trajectory now of the season has massively changed. As I said, I'm now rooting for Chris, which I didn't see happening at any point in my life. Um, I also 
picked Matthew in our halftime special that we did with Stephen McHale. Great show. Go and listen to it if you haven't already. So there's still something there, but trying to pick a winner from this final seven feels like trying to pick a horse in the Kentucky Derby. You know, <laughs> it is hard work. The thing that's really interesting now is everyone who is left has not red flags with the Reddit, but things that are kind of missing from their edit. And I think that's very interesting, especially in terms of what we've seen with uh, US Survivor. This is, no one left has a typical winner's edit, I'd say. For me, the only comparison I can draw is season 41. Someone's getting an Erica winner edit where it's just, you know. The last few episodes. (laughs) One shillelagh of time. That's all it takes. (laughs) Who's going to smash that hourglass? It is very, very unusual, even in terms of just like, confessional counts you know nathan and chris are still leading the way but there's like a real drop off between them and the next five the next five i don't think are even going to touch doug even if they make it all the way to the final it's yeah no chance the amount of screen time we got was massive let's get in then to our scene by scene with all of the spicy bits in between So we start off episode 11 with a really unusual scene, I thought, to start off with the OG Canaton members lying on the beach, really ragging on Chris about him playing an idol in episode 10. So in particular, Tanuke calls him out both on the beach and in a confessional, saying he played that idol knowing that he was going to send Ashley home um, and making it seem like a really negative thing. And I just felt like this was really unfair. Yeah, like, you should have gone home. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> this whole section at the start is just... And I like Chris's confessionals here, where he is, like, calling out the double standards towards him, being like, everyone else is playing the game. And it's just because he played his idol and he's doing it to people's faces rather than behind their backs that they don't like it, which I think is pretty fair. Yeah, bang on the money. Everyone's doing this. He's just doing it well in a way (laughs) not that they're not doing it well but maybe he's he's had some some success in like big moments and it kind of feels uncomfortable i think to be honest about the whole setup of this game that we are poo-pooing people for doing the same thing that other people are doing what i think is really interesting as well is that chris is confiding to leilani about people are being two-faced people are kind of being hypocrites and what i'm really struggling to understand is if Leilani even likes Chris at this point we're going to see later that she's going to say some pretty cut and dry things about being (laughs) willing to cut him and I just didn't understand this whole dynamic about are they friends are they not friends yeah like you made that relationship with her when she swapped over to Lenena because obviously in a bit we'll see he was asking her if there was a way that he could get back in with the numbers and she was like, I need to think about it. I've just woke up. My brain doesn't work oh, like yeah. yours or something like that. Oh, so that, that happens Yeah, later on in the episode, episode 11. He says, who are you voting for? And she says, I don't know. I have to wait and see. I've just woken up. And then I think she plays it down a little bit. She says as well that she has to wait till after the immunity challenge to decide. Yeah. And I just thought, because at the start when we see them talking a lot, I was thinking, oh, this relationship that he's made with Leilani is going to pay off here. Maybe yeah. it'll allow him a way in. But then it just slowly and slowly turns into just nothing like this relationship's not going to work and it seems to get a bit heated between them with with chris's votes for leilani as well later on like he continuously calls out the fact that she's playing stupid as he says 
and that she doesn't understand the game when she does. How did you feel about that? Do you think Leilani understands the game to the level that Chris thinks, or is she just following Tanuko's strategy? I... <laughs> I... I, th- I think Chris is giving her slightly too much credit, unfortunately. Friend of the pod, Leilani. I think she does some fantastic stuff. I think she's a great character. I don't think she is a strategic survivor player. I think what she is, is she's really good socially. Yeah. So honestly, why I think Chris is talking to her is because Nathan isn't talking to Chris. I don't think Tanuke is really talking to Chris in any sort of meaningful way. And I just don't think Matthew is there yet. And so the only person Chris can latch himself onto is either Lawrence, who doesn't have any capital with anybody, or Leilani. And Leilani's social game is that she'll be open to conversations with anyone. And I think that's how she sees her game, is, is purely a social dynamic where she is liked by people who are popular, who are the majority, and therefore that can get her further. But I don't think she necessarily understands the ins and outs of voting and the jury and yeah i completely agree and i think i think she'd probably agree with that as well uh she's also had a new song come out this week go and check it out if you're listening and you want to hear some new music by leilani absolute smashing hit finger on the trigger got to go <laughs> he's literally been texting me all week just putting finger on the trigger <laughs> hey we're gonna do a reel of that this week we're gonna do leilani voting people out just finger on the trigger yes. got to go. Oh, smash. <laughs> that is a great idea <laughs> That's the music video that hasn't been created yet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The other scene that we get then as we move forward is we get Chris talking to Matt about people who he feels are still coming for him. And I really liked Matt's take on this here. He felt like a really level-headed person in saying, I voted for you because you had the idol. I wanted to flush the idol. That feels really sensible, really rational. I think it builds a relationship in a way where they understand that both of them are playing the game. Whilst also comforting Chris in a way that that maybe Matt isn't coming for him in a malicious way. This is where we start to see that Matthew is very open to to anyone anyone's plans that they're bringing to him. Like, the rest of the Calaton 4 are sort of set in their ways and this is the strategy, but I think Matthew is open to hearing out everyone and anyone about what they want to do in the game, and I think that's one of the, the benefits to Matthew's get social game. Yeah, and he does that really well in contrast to when Chris is talking to Doug, and Doug is just saying very middle of the road, oh, don't worry, mate, it could have been anyone's sort of vibes. Yeah, and then Doug says in the confessional about everyone gooding for Chris again. And I'm just thinking at that part, like, if you know everyone's going for Chris, then that tells you that you shouldn't be going for Chris. Like, you need to use him as a number and take control of the game. I would love to see if anybody at any point, we're going to get into this a little bit later, but did they not think, who is the split vote here? Who are we going to throw a name a name around? Who's the decoy plan if Chris does have another idol? He's just played one correctly. Surely someone's got to have that thought. Yeah, like and if Chris won immunity here, like everything would have been plunged into absolute chaos. We're taking then from a conversation around the votes and around Chris's kind of feelings to maybe people ganging up on him straight into the reward challenge. the reward challenge called shut your trap this is for fish chips and pickled eggs just before we get into the immunity challenge pickled egg fan no i don't like vinegar so like anything pickled is a a no from me (laughs) i've never seen anybody eat a pickled egg from a fish chip shop like i always see them and they always look grim (laughs) yeah i I don't know how long have they been in there (laughs) yeah (laughs) probably six weeks (laughs) it did make me laugh as well like we 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 joke about the bbc spending 30 mil on this 
you know, you want to know where the budget came from? It was flying a deep fat fryer <laughs> out of the Dominican Republic. <laughs> These British rewards, they're authentically British. <laughs> like, yeah. They've flown all of these out. They've used all their air miles on the, the, the local shipping. <laughs> That's cod from the Irish Sea, that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love the battered sausage cool, though. Wasn't a fan yeah. of pickled eggs. Love a battered sausage. Love a battered sausage. So Shut Your Trap is a really familiar challenge um, to a lot of people who've watched both US and Australian Survivor. Um, essentially, it's a memory game. So you see items for a short amount of time and then have to go and recreate that for the opponents. A couple of thoughts here. Where do you want to start, Matt? What were some of your key thoughts about reward challenge? I have a few thoughts on this one. This is an iconic survivor challenge. I love this one. Oh, do, the, do the producers think the UK people are averagely less intelligent <laughs> than the US people? So we used to see like 12 items there and they're like we don't like who can't memorize four well, i mean half the cast but who can't memorize four items in front of them and then go back and put them back out again like come on yeah it was tough to see that especially to see them like regress so i think they went from like four to five back and down back to four, four again <laughs> I do not. My only thought was maybe they like got them all right so many times that they had to do loads of rounds, and then they only showed the ones where they got it wrong. But I don't know. Maybe. And then my other thing about this was Joel like calling out each item as it was there, like shell, stick. <laughs> like that defeats the point of the challenge. It's so much easier to remember something when Joel said it than just having to look at it and remember it. Do you really think though, Joel was doing that? in real time on the beach or do you think that's post-production putting in his voice again do they think the uk public is yeah. cheap? like we know what like, we know what a stick looks like <laughs> that that I, I did get that feeling too that it was just too much it was you know <laughs> maybe the first one fair enough but every time it was weird it was just like unnecessary but beside that loved it <laughs> i really liked that they chose captains so usually we've seen this yeah, format in kind of like a rock draw haven't we usually it's either you pick rocks or you're divided by something random but the thing is if you're going to choose captains and pick teams show us picking teams and also one was it chris's team that had um doug and tanuke on or yes that... yeah so like, chris had obviously picked all the good people and I don't know who, I can't remember who the other captain was, but I was like, that team is clearly weaker than the other team. It was Lawrence who chose the other team, so... The thing is, I'm I'm really into this. So in the NBA All-Star game, they've recently, they tried a format over the last few years where they picked teams, and the first year, they didn't televise it, and everyone was complaining, saying, show us the team, show us the teams. The second year, they picked teams live, and it was so juicy watching these people <laughs> just like being left to the last person. <laughs> Yeah, I would have loved Brilliant. to have seen Pegleg's face when he um, didn't get picked for teams, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, the, the fusion chips look really good. And I liked that they got the uh, the classic blue and white, white striped beach chairs <laughs> just <laughs> casually on the island for them to eat them with. The reward challenge was really good. It's, it fell very much into the mould of the curry, didn't it? It was just a really pure, innocent, let's go and have fish and chips on the beach. No advantages, nothing hidden, just... Yeah, I mean, we were speculating before the season about these British rewards, but like, I didn't really necessarily think there would be too many. But it's just so great to see like our culture translated onto Survivor. It's it's just a lot of fun. Hundred percent. What did you think about 
them being at the reward challenge, obviously they're eating, and then Chris's pitch to everyone about making mistakes and about trust being broken. So I did start to worry for Chris when he came out with this because I mean, look, Chris is going to play hard at every opportunity he gets, and like that's fine. But I, I didn't think this was particularly great social gameplay here. This really defined, I think, the mistake that he made, and it's okay to make mistakes because he learns from it in episode twelve. So the idea that you can speak to four other people in like this open forum and everyone's going to resonate with it and be like, oh, this is great. Yeah. It's just kind of ridiculous at the outset. Yeah, Um, unless these kind of conversations are one-on-one, people just don't feel like they're genuine. And that's the difference between here, he tries to talk to them all at once, this very general way. In episode 12 on the reward challenge, he talks to Matthew individually and then he brings Lawrence into the conversation and it's so much more effective because he has that one-on-one time to be able to run through ideas, to be able to show them that he's being sincere. And he didn't really sell them, actually, anything at the fish and chip reward. He just kind of said, sorry, can we start again? I'm not surprised, to be honest, at all that Tanuke wasn't buying it, but did have a mad amount of respect for how snaky she was for hugging him and then immediately cutting <laughs> yeah. to a confessional saying, I don't have time for this crap. <laughs> yeah, like, Tanuke is playing as brutal as Chris is, but in confessional. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like that's the way to do it <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they are all friends obviously it's only a game oh, yeah. we'd love to see the text messages after Chris sees those confessionals for the first time <laughs> <laughs> I mean look we've seen his responses on uh, X so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we move then into day 24 and we start the day off with Hannah and Pegleg chilling in the shelter just casually destroying Chris <laughs> Pegleg was not a fan of the pitch meeting. <laughs> he, thought, he thought that was very insincere. And they're both just ready to sell Chris down the river. Hannah and Peg, are, to a lesser extent, Peg, they're the ones that end up having egg on the face <laughs> at the end of this episode. You know, the, the narrative kind of sets them up as being these overconfident people. How dare people play the game? And then at the end of the episode, we see that they realise, oh, <laughs> we're the only ones not playing the game. <laughs> I, I wasn't surprised from Hannah. I was surprised from Peg, because I thought Peg had kind of come into his own last episode, um, sort of leading on the split vote plan. But So I think the thing with Peg is he's willing to pay strategically, but there has to be like the correct, honourable motive behind it. So, you know, Chris is the person on the outs playing the game hard. You know, him and Ashley are sort of the, the devils of the tribe. And <laughs> Peg's a strategic guy. He knows how to pull off a move and get them out, but I don't think he's willing to just target and throw people under the bus just because they're bigger threats than him. To this point, everyone does think that everyone's going to pile on Chris. It's one of those consensus votes that we see quite often. And so I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with a consensus vote, unless you're kind of (laughs) at the bottom. (laughs) Just that one day mentality, that doesn't do anything for me personally as a fan. And while everyone is going with this consensus vote, we get that key conversation between Tanuke and Nathan, where it's Tanuke saying, what if we do something different here? What if all of the five OG Calatons band together and vote out Doug? And yeah. you called it out. This really described their relationship. Tanuke comes up with a great plan. Nathan doesn't quite understand it and says, okay. Tanuke, no. I think Tanuke knows as well that no one else is pushing the strategy so she can sort of build up her plans and put them out there. And she knows that everyone's going to say yes to them. I'm going to have to give my pennies worth. I do think this was a move too early. I loved it because it was great TV and I was really excited to see just things moving and shaking and kind of 
throats being cut. But from a Tanuke perspective, if she takes out Chris here, I think Doug is easily there at the next vote. Nathan has this confession where he's like, if we don't do this now, I'm worried we won't have the numbers when we want to get Doug out. Like, how does that flipping work? If you get out one more <laughs> Lenena person, well, we're not going to have the numbers. In the next episode, worst case scenario, your strong four goes in and has a 4-4 a draw. We go to rocks. This week was their chance to do it where no one was going to expect it, I think. So we hear Doug's confessional where he says, if Chris wins immunity, he's worried that he's going to be the one that gets voted out. So I think there's, a, there's an aspect of Tanuke worrying that Doug will know it's coming if they wait any longer. I don't think anyone else would have tried to convince Matthew to, yeah. to flip. So maybe like not so much waiting a week, but maybe just keeping Chris in the game was the mistake there. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good distinction that it's Chris who has the relationship with Matthew that causes the eventual downfall of Tanuke. I couldn't imagine in episode 12 where Doug is trying to convince Lawrence to flip. That's such a hard sell in a way. Mind you, is, is Lawrence just willing to do anything at this point? Like, it's hard to tell. I think oh. he's kind of latched himself onto Matthew in the same way that he'd latched himself onto Shy. I was really surprised that he was so in love with Tanuke. I didn't get that vibe at all from anything we've seen in the edit that they are, like, so really the good friends. Thing, the only thing I can think of is when he came back from the outpost and told only Tanuke. Yes. I mean, it wasn't great friends that he'd tell her about the plan. I mean, we see that he nearly spills the plan, which I was just like, Jesus Christ, what is he doing <laughs> in the next episode? But Lawrence doesn't have a sense of, I voted out Jess. I tried to vote out Nathan, Tanuke's number one. He doesn't have any sense that maybe this is affecting my relationship with Tanuke and she's not as close with me as I am with her. He's a very odd character at this yeah. point. Yeah, it hasn't registered with Lawrence that he's kind of on the outs with Calaton, I think. Or maybe it has, and he's just... Maybe he just doesn't know what to do. Maybe he just thinks, I need to just keep just going and hope day. for the best. Yeah. If Tanuke decides in episode 11, let's follow through and vote Chris out, I think in episode 12, we actually have Doug targeting Matthew. I don't think Doug would target Nathan. I think they're kind of growing down and, and that's quite close. He knows that Tanuke is a hard sell for Lawrence. And so it's either a Matthew or Leilani pitch that Doug's trying to make, I think, in episode 12 rather than himself. Or maybe he tries to just snipe Lawrence out. I mean, <laughs> this is the thing. Like, if you get down, if you get rid of Chris... And then you get down to that final eight. I don't know what the foreplaying was for Lenena, because like quite clearly they're on the bottom of the numbers there. And even if their say tribal lines aren't there anymore, you know that that group of Tanuke and Nathan, Matthew and Leilani is tight. And even if it's just going to be based off of friendships, like that group's going to stay together no matter what. So I'm not really sure what the play was there. And this is why Chris is so golden as well, because he's calling that out in real time. These people are not playing for an end game. They're just playing for a jolly. We then go to the immunity challenge. Uh, Matt, you called this in the pre-season. Play the tape. <laughs> to choose a couple, Owen Bernard between the auction and get a grip, which is the one where they're on that giant pole and then they just have to hold on to it for as mm -hmm. long as they can and not fall off. So I went with the get a grip one. Uh, it's called here, get a grip. Thoughts on the immunity challenge? Yeah, I mean, this is an iconic one. We haven't seen it for a long time. and We got it in US and UK in the past uh, few weeks. So, yeah, it was great to see it here. And I liked the kind of change that they'd done to the challenge, where in order to control the amount of time it could take, 
they got them to move down the ring and each of the footholds was slightly smaller as they went down and they were sort of forced to move down at each stage of the challenge so yeah i thought i really liked that it was a bit of a, a bit of a twist and i thought it was quite good when i saw the challenge my initial thoughts were well nathan's going to be first out again <laughs> same and i was i was a proper impressed that he managed to stay up there yeah, man, he did really, really well, considering he's a bigger guy. The other person I thought did amazing was Pegleg, and I thought it would be a disadvantage. And in the end, I think it was kind of neither an advantage or a disadvantage. It was just a different kind of pain. Yeah, I agree. Um, but really impressive. Yeah, when he was explaining how it felt like his leg was being pushed into his, uh, his leg there, I was just like, that sounds painful. <laughs> 100%. Also found it interesting that nobody decided to go for the no toe holds so everybody kind of opted to put their toes into the grooves and try and hold on that way you know every now and then we will see usually it's the women who will just decide to forego the grooves entirely and just kind of bear hug it or wrap their legs around in kind of a triangle and hold on that way so my question was because of the way they changed this challenge with the changing sizes of footholds would it be unfair to not use the footholds so maybe they told them not to potentially just hold on with their legs I don't think so, because everyone had the opportunity to not use the holds if they wanted to. And there was a moment where Leilani drops in the challenge. That's true, and he says, can she hold on? Yeah, which makes me think that if she had just decided just to wrap a triangle around the pole there, it would have gone ahead. Yeah, she might have been okay. Really good challenge, though. Really liked this. Again, another solid challenge. And it felt like a fair challenge which is maybe our problem with the physical challenges earlier. It wasn't that they were physical, but maybe they just weren't fair, whereas this one felt a lot more even. Yeah, and so obviously there was the whole problem with the lack of variety pre-merge, but I do want to say like all of the challenges have been fantastic, and I do, I want to put that out there as much as the moment in the later pre-merge because of how much it was annoying me, <laughs> but like all the challenges have been really good. There's not a lame one here. We're not getting stuck with too much that's the same, so I'm really impressed with how they've done it. The really interesting part of this challenge is how openly, again, people are plotting for Doug and Chris to fall out of the challenge. We saw that in the episode nine, in the first immunity challenge at the merge, where they were openly waiting for Lee to drop. Yes. Here they were doing the same thing with, with Doug and Chris. And it got to that point even with Tanuke and Nathan smiling at each other when Chris fell. And Nathan has to like, try and control himself and say, good shift, mate, because it's just obvious that they wanted to get him out. Yeah, and I did worry that as soon as they dropped, they'd try and throw it to one person again, but I was glad that they stuck it out at the end. They definitely went a little bit longer and had the opportunity to be warriors. I did not like Lawrence's <clears throat> fake giving it to Tanuke. We won't run through the whole order, but eventually it comes down to Lawrence and Tanuke um, as the final two people. Lawrence is clearly tired and about to drop and looks at Tanuke and says, here you go, Tanuke, I'll give this one to you. Which yeah. is... <laughs> Which is a soft way of saying, I need to get down, but please be my friend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe this played into why she didn't think that anyone would flip in the in the next episode, potentially. So. Because she... What, because Lawrence threw the challenge for her? Yeah, so maybe she thought Lawrence is really on board with me. Like, there's no way that he'd flip. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe she'll give him that jury vote. <laughs> I have a whole monologue on Lawrence later, so... Yeah, there's lots to talk about that. <laughs> Let's get into the scramble then. After Tanuke wins the individual immunity challenge, they all come back to the beach. And it feels pretty clear cut to us as viewers. So it feels pretty clear cut to us as viewers. On the beach, you have the OG Kalatons, 
who are all under the understanding that they'll be voting for Doug. You have Hannah, Pegleg and Doug who believe the vote's going on Chris. And then you have Chris who starts to scramble and really is the only person scrambling at this point to try and come up with another plan. Let's look at kind of just the Chris angle at the moment. So Chris tries a lot of things in this scene. He tries to pull in Hannah and Doug to still be Lenena Strong. He tries to talk about his extra votes and how that could sway people. He also even talks to Doug about creating a fake idol and how they can use that to unsettle it. What did you make of Chris's gameplay in the scramble? I think that this episode did not do Chris's gameplay justice here, to be quite honest. Obviously, we have the fake idol, which is a great play. He has the the cloth and the, the package from his finding his actual idol. He can use it to make a fake one. This absolutely would have worked if everyone hadn't have then have gone and told the Kalaton lot what he was doing. And also, we'll talk about the vote in a bit, but he actually attempts to flip this on Kalaton. He wants the Lenena lot to vote together for Leilani and using his extra vote, he puts the extra vote on Leilani, which would give them the numbers to get rid of her. So actually, he plays the perfect counter move to this. It's just that it doesn't follow through because Lenena refused to work with him. Okay, so his plan, let's say the fake idol thing doesn't shift the votes, is to go to a 5-5 draw. Do you think that would have worked? Well, it would work for Chris. That's why he's saying this, because if they don't change their votes, Chris becomes immune. And at that point, it doesn't matter to him who goes home. Well, I think that's the point, though. So I reckon you get a 5-5 draw. Let's say I mean, people... I think people would flip on Chris. Is that, yeah. is that where you go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the re-votes, once... Because <laughs> this is what I, a world that I can imagine happening, right? He somehow convinces Hannah, Pegleg, Doug, and himself to all get together for the, for the votes. Well, one is, I don't even think it would work because you'd have 5-5 five, five because of Chris's extra votes. On the re-vote, Chris and foreseeably Leilani wouldn't be able to vote again. And so it would have been a 4-3 then on however, the re anyway. However, not that Chris would know this, but it would work because Calaton's votes aren't on Chris, they're on Doug, which means that Lenena would lose one, but they'd still have Chris's extra vote. And then Calaton would lose Leilani's vote. So although he wouldn't have known that, it actually would have worked and Leilani would have gone home. Well, this is the interesting thing about the extra vote. Do you get an extra vote on a revote? So I believe in US Survivor, you do get an extra vote on a revote. Okay. So in that case, yeah, you're right. It would have been a 4-4 draw. And so either someone would have had to flip on Doug or they would have gone to rocks. They wouldn't have flipped on Doug, though. That's the thing. <laughs> Chris might have flipped on Doug. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Chris would have. Not in that scenario. What a world we could have lived in. That would have been even more amazing. Can you imagine that? Yeah, that would have been wild as well. <laughs> wow. So many possibilities. I think the Lenena Strong thing, it just shouldn't come out of anyone's mouth anymore. You know, this idea yeah. of, let's see. I think he did say the right thing after saying Lenena Strong. He said, if we don't do something now, then we'll all be gone. And that should be the narrative, not let's stay Lenena Strong. It's let's stick together, because if we don't, we're dead ducks here. Yeah, I was just going to say, every season that I can think of where someone says blank strong results in some of those members flipping on the other members. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> agreed. Let's tease out the kind of the fake idol. I loved this, and I thought Thanks. this had so much mileage that it could have gone. Even for Doug, and again, we can't know Doug's mind in terms of what he would have done, 
if he went into the game. We're excited for that interview we we have upcoming with him once the BBC allow us to connect with people. I thought there was mileage for Doug to run with this fake idol plan to then talk about or to try and get a split vote that was in his favour to try and control the numbers and then being able to get out one of the OG Calatons. So almost like trying to manufacture a 5-3 split where like he is voting for Chris and could actually just swing the vote into a 4-4 with the extra vote to make it 5 um, and then to be in the, really the driver's seat to choose who they want to get out. I thought the fake idol opened up loads of exciting options. Yeah, so I agree. I understand where Doug was coming from. He was scared that this fake idol would force the votes onto him, but he could have used that situation to his advantage in a lot of ways um, that would have resulted in him not going home. So I think it's a shame that it spooked him. I understand that he trusted Calaton, but yeah, unfortunately it didn't work out for him there. What was even more interesting is that he has the idol that's now expired that he could have used to really cement that plan. And so it could have been really perfect. You have a parchment, you have a real idol that's expired. Yeah, and I know that Doug said one of his biggest regrets is not using that idol, potentially two idols, obviously, as well, to uh, try and fake out the others. And yeah, it's a shame. That moves us really nicely, though, into what were Hannah, Pegleg and Doug thinking here? There seems to be no action in terms of trying to find out who the secondary vote is, and trying to understand if there's a split in case there is an idol that's going to be played. Yeah, remind me what Hannah actually said here, because what I've written in my notes is Hannah is so bad at this game. <laughs> <laughs> I think, to be honest, that's a pretty fair reaction. <laughs> she essentially says that she feels frustrated at Chris for trying to say that he's Lenena Strong. And then once he said the plan and walked away, he she says, there's no way I'm doing that. H- Hannah's reaction is just bad here, and I'm really sorry to be that, that moany person, because I'm sure Hannah is a lovely person. But this is like, it's just such bad gameplay. I, I don't believe she's really watched Survivor. Yeah, I was going to say, like, she says she's she's watched seasons in a pre-post-season interview. And I don't know how you can have watched those seasons, but be so gung-ho about just getting rid of Chris here. I know she thinks that she has a good relationship with Tanuke, but again, that's not going to get you that far. She's She's whittled down to Doug and Peg, the two people who she trusts the most now, and it's just... I don't know where she plans to go at this point. She's voted herself into a corner and now she's got nowhere left to go. I do think the one mistake that Tanuke makes in this kind of this scenario here is not pulling in an extra person from the OG Lenena tribe to be part of the split because she very clearly cements tribe lines in, in this vote. So if you're OG Kalaton, you know what's happening. If you're anyone else, you're in the dark. I think there was an option for her to just tell one person, maybe a Hannah. Actually, I think it only could be Hannah, really. I don't yeah. think you're telling Chris. I don't think you're telling Peg. But I think there would have been an opportunity to tell Hannah this is the real plan. And I think Hannah would have voted out Doug without too much persuasion. Yeah, I think so as well. I think that realisation at the end of this episode that the Calatons are playing strategically, obviously we see that wake her up in the next episode and she actually plays fairly well in the, the next episode once chris has given her the plan <laughs> she pulls it off well with the the lies to to the uk if she realized that everyone else was playing and she's been left out i think she would have done a bit more but i really just thought she just thought it was she's playing this nice nice game and she was too willing to let everyone do what they wanted to do it's episode 11 man <laughs> you didn't know the game by now you know it's the other part of the scramble that felt really awkward was obviously Chris was off making a fake idol and Doug for the reasons that you described not wanting anyone to believe it the votes to blow back on him 
decides to tell everyone that there's a fake idol. And there was nothing more painful than watching Chris try to pretend that he had a real idol to Leilani and, and hearing Pegleg and Hannah laughing at him in the background. Yeah. Oh, it was brutal to watch. I mean, look, you, you got to shoot your shot at the end of the day and I'm never going to fault someone for trying. <laughs> and this would have been great. It's just, yeah. It's a shame that he, I mean, I assumed he probably worked out what had happened post that moment. But yeah. I don't think he did, because in the Tribal Council, when they talk about if anyone has an immunity idol, he reaches into his bag and pulls out his water bottle. So I really think he was leaning into the the whole fake idol thing. And you're right, I don't blame him at all. It was the right thing to do, and it could have worked. I just felt so bad for him, knowing that Doug had told everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it felt very much like we've, what we've just seen on US Survivor, so spoilers if you haven't watched season 45 yet, where... Katora is telling everyone that Bruce is going <laughs> to tell this lie. <laughs> and you just, you know, it's just hard to watch when you know that everyone knows the truth. It's kind of, it's a very similar situation, actually. In both cases, it's this adds to the narrative surrounding a person about why everyone wants to get rid of them. So I think what's really unfortunate for Chris here is every time he does something like this, he's digging himself further into a hole because it's adding to the narrative about him being this sneaky player like he can do well socially as much as he can but every time he is forced into a corner he has to make a strategic move and then it brings him straight back to where he was again it is a vicious cycle and no one seems to be giving him a helping hand to get out of it we eventually go to tribal council chris expresses that he feels like he's cleared the air doug talks about how important immunity is and Doug, you know, I know this is edited, but the edit just shows that you know, he is worried. He says he's worried about the votes. He's worried about um, that he feels not particularly safe. And I thought it was really interesting that Joel is pointing out the split in tribe numbers. So there's a very pointy question where he says, when we were here two weeks ago, he says it was 6-5, then it was 5-5, five, five, now it's 5-4. Alarm bell should be ringing here. Joel is asking you the question about original tribe lines. This felt very Survivor US, where Jeff will seem to hint very hard to players that he really likes when yeah. they're about to go home. <laughs> felt exactly like that. And then also, there's a couple of other things to talk about this tribal. Did you not feel like Kalaton was spilling way too much, especially Leilani and Nathan? Like, they were just so, like, the game started now for me. <laughs> Why would the game start today when you're all voting out Chris, the, the group target? Like, I just thought that should have been a massive alarm bell. It's hard because when you're in the moment, I think it works for both. So the one that got me was when Nathan said, um, we had a conversation yesterday and today after the immunity challenge. And you already know in that conversation, okay, so they've already picked someone, they've already chosen someone. But that does work for both scenarios. That does work for Chris and Doug. I suppose Um, so, yeah. Maybe it's just because we can see it. But you're right. (laughs) If they saw the edit and they still just went... You know, it's it's nothing happening. (laughs) Then I'd be worried. Uh, Also, like, what cemented Doug was going home for me was his line of doom where he said a threat should be eliminated just before the vote. Like, I was like, oh, Doug. (laughs) Poor guy. (laughs) Any vote against you should be a mark of respect. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We, We do get to the votes eventually. Chris goes up and casts a vote for Leilani. He also plays an extra vote for Leilani. So that's two votes on Leilani. We then have Doug, Pegleg and Hannah, who all vote for Chris. So that's three votes on Chris. 
and then the five OG Calaton members vote for Doug. Doug becomes the next person voted out of Survivor UK and the third member of our jury. Talk it like a champ. You want to go out, this is the way to do I think. This was all class. Absolutely. There's two ways that I like to see people going out. It's this genuine, like, well done, guys. But it, it has to feel genuine like Doug's did here. Like, it wasn't like he was like, oh, love you all, whatever. It was just a, yeah, fair play, guys. And I really like that. And the other one is obviously the salty exit, which I love as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was the first, for me, real blind side of the season, where it was Definitely. that real shock from so many people who really didn't know what was happening. What did you make of all the facial expressions as the votes were being read? Yeah, I mean, this just, I think, I think this was playing up Calaton's cockiness moving into the next episode, but uh, they were definitely feeling themselves with this movie, yeah. Let's do a quick in requiem then of Doug. How will you remember Doug? You've already said you expect to see him back for a returning season. How will you remember him? I'll remember Doug as the main character for the first two thirds of Survivor UK. Just a genuinely nice guy, there to have fun, you know, willing to play the game. Just a, a genuinely nice person. And I do hope that we get to see Doug back. Yeah, for me, it's definitely strategic powerhouse, um, a physical asset, a beast, um, but also someone who's very kind, a great leader. Really, really liked his game. Think he played a strong game pre-merge, maybe just slightly let himself down post-merge and not wanting to press some of the action and, and not raise his threat level too much. But I think he's got a really bright survivor future. Um, and obviously, we have to shout out the whole Isle of Mull that he has been able to mobilise in every <laughs> every poll that we've posted. <laughs> it's The support for him is phenomenal. Yeah, last week I didn't put Doug in any of our polls because I wanted to give everyone else a fair chance and I feel bad now. <laughs> I, might, <laughs> I might put him in a couple of them this week just because... That was but his yeah. last chance. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think Doug's someone who, if he ever makes final tribal council, he's guaranteed to win in every single scenario, no matter what. Yeah, this was an honest. They recognised him as a threat because I think you're right. I think if he's there, he was building enough strong relationships with everyone they'd want to vote for him. He's playing under the radar. Anything else on episode eleven before we move on? No, I mean straightforward episode, but a well-executed straightforward episode. And I was just glad that people were playing, and I really enjoyed it. Christmas. What would you like for Christmas, young Joe? All I want for Christmas is to give the Sit Out Bench a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Well, I think we can sort that out for you. Why doesn't everyone listening give us a good rating? We move then into episode 12, and we start off with a little confessional from Tanuke, how she's talking about how chuffed and excited she is, that everything went to plan yesterday, that she feels in control. Contrast to that, Peg Leg is really gutted um, and really you know, visibly dejected about both Doug missing from the camp from a morale perspective, but also recognising actually there's a lot more strategy being played here than maybe he was aware of. And we also have Chris starting to call out 
in confessionals the divide that he sees between Calaton and Lenena. I think probably the first real noteworthy part to talk about is around Tanuke's relationship with Hannah and really how they're finding that shared commonality of both being women of colour, um, which was a really, really refreshing moment for me to see. Yeah, I really like this. I mean, a, it's nice for Hannah to get some content, but I think it's really important that, as we said before, this is a social experiment as well as a, a reality show at the end of the day. And it's really important to see these real world aspects uh, breach the screen as well. It was one of the things that I think in US Survivor felt slightly uncomfortable for a while. So particularly we saw some of that narrative really coming in kind of 42 onwards, I believe, where we see people actively trying to promote alliances of people with colour. And yeah, it was a really good moment for me and I really liked that. And again, I think it's fair to shout out both the BBC and production for the job they did in casting in bringing together a really diverse, really good group together. And yeah, this felt really good. And I really liked that Hannah was able to segment... I can feel a closeness and I can share really vulnerable things with you about my experience, my upbringing, but also that doesn't mean I trust you. you (laughs) And that's exactly what we want to see in Survivor. Yeah. This is where we start to see Hannah's edit spike a bit here. And um, it it coincides with her starting to recognize that she's going to have to start playing the game a bit harder in, in order to have a chance to stay in and to not just trust everything people says at face value expectations must have just been so strange for her coming on to this season when she really did have almost like a breakdown at the start of the episode in terms of she wasn't expecting people to lie to her listen if hannah starts starts playing i'm here for it i'm rooting for hannah i want her to do well i want to see where she can take this game maybe tanuke votes for hannah at the end and that's why we get this relationship scene between them Later on, we're going we're gonna to plug this anyway, but later this week, we're going to be talking with um, Bandit all around people who are still in their game and their possible paths to victory um, and who their best final three is. In preparing for that, I am drawing an absolute blank with Hannah. I cannot see any combination where she gets a vote. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's got time. She's got time. Come on, Hannah. Prove us wrong. Yeah, that's it. That's it. There's still four episodes left to play. Let's get into the reward challenge here. Um, the reward challenge is called Hold Up, um, a very intimate challenge, and again, a Survivor classic. Um, where is this an Australian Survivor challenge? Because I've never yeah. seen this before, and I was like, this is really cool. Like, I've never seen anything like this on US Survivor. Yeah, they do this one quite frequently in AU Survivor. I'm not sure if they've done it actually in pairs in that same way, the odd even. I think yeah. they have done it in pairs where just anyone has to take one out, or maybe it's alternate. But yeah, it's usually not that intimate. <laughs> because I was taking notes, I missed the rule where Joel said about even and odd people taking the things out. So I was just like, why are they like climbing all over each other when yeah. the other person could just reach <laughs> Listen, it's been it's been twenty five days. They just need a bit of human contact. That's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a really good challenge. I thought again, good good sort of. I thought balancing the teams. So key moments, like you say, Lawrence pulls out peg 17 when he should have pulled out peg 11. Um, just went a bit too fast. Um, I didn't realise the number that he was pulling out. We then yeah. had Tanuke who pulled out a peg that was even, even though she should have pulled out the odd numbers. 
And we then had a showdown um, between Leilani and Hannah and Chris and Matthew. Um, and it goes right down to the, I suppose, the final peg. You have Matthew supporting himself on just two pegs um, for ultimately Chris and Matthew take the reward challenge um, for a pizza party. The challenge was really good. Some, <laughs> I think there's probably a way to hack this, though, fairly easily. There seems to be no time limit on how long it took you to pull out a peg. <laughs> probably, yeah. Maybe you want to keep yourself as hot as you can as well and just wait out the time. But also, one thing I wanted to point out as well is I really liked that they made them choose someone to join them on the reward. We haven't had anything like that yet. And I just like that adding social dynamic to the rewards. Yeah, and it was quite really critical actually as well that that was there for Chris to be able to influence Matthew. So when they win, Matthew initially is talking about taking Tanuke or Nathan. But actually, Chris being able to influence him and say Lawrence was really critical to what we know is going to happen in terms of the plan. Yeah, absolutely. This is the start of how well Chris plays this. Yeah. So we get to the pizza party. Everyone's loving life. Um, and really, Chris lays it out there for Matthew really, really clearly. I see Tanuke on the top with Nathan. Then there's a hierarchy. And interestingly, I thought that he put Leilani and then Lawrence and Matthew on kind of the very outer or the bottom rung of that hierarchy. And really eye-opening moment for Matthew in real time. But pretty much it's like finding out that the Tooth Fairy is not real. Yeah. And I think Chris's reads were very good here with the hierarchy. But one thing I would say is that to us, and through Tanuke and Nathan's confessionals, it is shown that Matthew is actually number three, at least, within that structure. So Chris kind of undersells Matthew's position. And that is what allows this flip to happen. So I don't know whether... Chris misread that, or Chris purposely misread that, if you know what I mean. Yeah, interesting. We did get an episode 11, you're right, to Newcase saying, I see me, you and Nathan as final three. I didn't get the impression that that was particularly sincere. Do you think, I mean, she probably would rather take light than one of the two of them, realistically. The thing is, I almost think it doesn't matter for Tanuke. So if she could get a scenario True. where she had those four Calatonians as the final four, then she's going to the final three, regardless of the, whoever it is. And I don't think she really cares who she brings as well, because she would win. Yeah, true. <laughs> so I wanted to quickly say, cows. <laughs> Where did the cows oh, come yeah. from? <laughs> Were they wild cows? <laughs> what was going on there? From what we've seen, they're on a small island. That's <laughs> like... Either why the cows suddenly here? Yeah, <laughs> I love how like it doesn't nothing really that wasn't important to the episode at all. But they were just like we've got to show the cows. <laughs> so you got like, this ten second scene of them eating cows, and then suddenly we're just back to strategy as if nothing's happened. You needed a David Attenborough voice, kind of a voiceover, just kind of <laughs> <laughs> the wild cow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh. I thought they were going to kill one and cook it and I was like, oh god, yeah, <laughs> this will not come across <laughs> if they were If they were really starving they would have like. oh, yeah. Flicking back to the reward challenge itself, I thought what was really interesting is the interaction that once Matthew starts to understand, okay maybe there's a hierarchy, he kind of tests this with Lawrence and Lawrence's response is, no I think we're too small in number for this to be a real thing Yeah. <laughs> It was beautiful. <laughs> I just like if Lawrence is just this fumbling buffoon character who doesn't understand the game, 
Like, I'm happy with that because we're getting the content to validate that. Yeah. We've got to talk about how um, Peg comes in to double team Matthew with Chris. On... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, you take that bit away, mate. <laughs> you tell me about the, uh, the double team. <laughs> I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say it was aggressive, but it worked out well. Oh. <laughs> it was aggressive, but it worked out well. Oh, man. But I, what, what my point was, I liked that Peg recognised that looping back in with Chris and like pushing this strategy aggressively was the right way to go forward here. And it shows that Peg does have the chops for the game, it was just that he was blinded by how much everyone disliked Chris in the last episode. Yeah. He does a really good job of reassuring that narrative and putting it in a way that feels like he's not just jumping on the bandwagon. And it is essential, I think, that Matthew does hear it from multiple sources other than just Chris. So I agree. Really great move by Peg. The other thing I thought was really obvious is hearing it from Peg is someone who Chris wouldn't have worked with as well, which I think is why it kind of, it works in a way. Yeah, so Peg's obviously seen as this very trustworthy person, so I think coming from him as opposed to Chris makes it seem a reality more for Matthew. Yeah. We then get the conversation between Lawrence and Matthew at the well, and let's talk about Lawrence as a whole now. I'm ready to talk about him mentally. Um, So at this moment, Lawrence confirms that he feels like he needs to do something to split up Tanuke and Nathan, but he doesn't want to vote out Tanuke. And so he decides to do the honourable thing and just vote Pegleg to allow the plan to go ahead. Yeah, I mean, he believes that this will help him get to Nuko's jury vote. But I think... (laughs) He's wrong. I think he's a see-through as a window in this. (laughs) Like, I really think everyone's going to see through this. And as soon as any of the group that voted for Tanuke or Peg end up on that jury, she's going to find out anyway, so... Yeah, I think this is a bad look. Just vote her out and don't look like a sneaky sneaky hermit crab. So I'm going to get now into a bit of a rant and, and Matt stop me, okay, when I go too far. But somebody needed to phone Lawrence in this moment and that someone was Uncle Ben. And Uncle Ben needed to give Lawrence the talk. With great power comes great responsibility. Okay. <laughs> Spider-Man learned that lesson. As he let a robber go, and the robber killed his uncle. Okay. <laughs> Lawrence, you don't just get to stand back and let your friend get taken out of the game and pretend like you're a hero. <laughs> you had great power, therefore you had great responsibility. This was, like, brutal. This is like... <laughs> it was some of the worst logic. If I just don't vote for her, if I don't tell her about the plan then she'll still like me and give me her vote at the end. It was ridiculous. It was so bad. Yeah, I completely agree. And the reason I was laughing so hard then was because when you said Uncle Ben, I just thought about the rice. And I was imagining the rice man saying all of that. <laughs> yeah, this is, this, is, this is not Uncle Ben from the rice packet. This is... <laughs> Maybe it is in his food hallucinations. <laughs> yeah. But... The, oh. It was, it, for me, this felt more slimy than voting for her. Because at least if you vote for her, you're acknowledging that she's a threat and you're actively saying, 
I'm doing this to get rid of you because I, I see you as a threat rather than just I'm not brave enough to either vote you out or brave enough to tell you. Yeah, it, it's both naive to think that this won't get back to her and a misread of what Tanuke would respect from the jury anyway. Yeah. In the next time clip for episode 13 as well, he seems to be like goading the fact that this has worked and that Matthew's getting the blowback. If that's true, that's horrendous. If like Nathan and Leilani give him a pass because he just didn't vote Tanuke, that's just like bad. Unless he says something like, you know, oh, I threw a random vote in case I was an idol or something like that. But I don't think that. I think everyone's going to say that Lawrence knew. And I think I think they're going to respect what Matthew did more than what Lawrence did, quite honestly. Totally agree. And he should be. He should be. This is this is why Lawrence couldn't be Spider-Man. <laughs> he doesn't understand that lesson. <laughs> it's really sad, but in the moment, that's literally what I was saying to my TV. I was saying, great power, great responsibility. This is... What, how loud? <laughs> yeah. Madness. <laughs> it's a madness thing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you just love the madness of it all? I think the other thing, though, this doesn't help Lawrence's game. In my mind, he hasn't built trust with any people from Lenena now. So, okay, fair enough. He hasn't hurt it, per se. But Matthew has actively built trust with Peg, Lake, Hannah and Chris. Lawrence has not. And I think he, in this moment where he could have swung with Matthew and said, let's go together to the other side, let's be a solid two, and let's just find a third person to fall into the final three. Instead, he's now at the bottom of both. I agree. So it's this sort of, yes, I'll help you make this move that benefits me, but I won't do any of the dirty work for it. Yeah, I think he's definitely on the bottom of both groups there. There's no way that... I mean, he he should be okay, really, for another vote, maybe. I just think that... Now they have Lawrence as a number, they'll probably want to use him as a number for a little bit. But also there's probably a sense that maybe he will just flip back again because he's flipped quite a few times in this game. Just from what the jury have seen get played, I think Lawrence is still that person that's going to have the least respect from the jury from my from my perspective. What's crazy is you made those statements there and I had no idea if you were talking about OG Calaton or OG Lenena. Like, you know, that he's going to flip back, that he's going to... I don't know who... Who's going to use him as a number? Who's he going to flip to? Yeah, I think if people are playing proactively, that's the big if. Then Lawrence should be okay for another couple of rounds just because he has shown that he's willing to go with whatever. But I think if we're heading back to this loyalty-based shtick, Lawrence is in trouble because he's made himself an easy target here and Nathan and Leilani are going to probably push him under the bus because they don't want to be the next to go. Mm. I'm just contradicting myself loads there, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> the listeners won't know. <laughs> Never. <laughs> okay, let's jump into the immunity challenge. This was a really good one. Very AU, US inspired obstacle yes. course in stages called On the Ropes. Brilliant. Thought a really nice mix between different things the rope management, the balance, the puzzle at the end flipping awesome this was just like big survivor vibes and that's the same across both of these episodes like everything screams survivor and as soon as this showed up i was just like brilliant another classic survivor challenge yeah and it was enjoyable the whole way through it felt competitive the whole way through 
And that puzzle is one that I just really don't understand at the end, where, you know, you're pulling out the rope and the challenge is spinning around and you have to place the discs. It's like... I would argue it's just not really a puzzle, is it? <laughs> it's more like the, the letters balancing one from earlier in the season. I suppose, yeah. It's not a true, true puzzle, but there's still something about it where I don't understand, is the strategy, to put it, perfectly in the middle? Is it to balance them out against each other based on what the discs are? I thought this was so impressive that Lawrence did it with, you know, first time. Yeah, I think it's put everything in the middle, start off at a decent pace. As soon as you get to the bigger disc, you need to slow right down. And I think it's literally just slow and steady wins the race. Mm, that is the way to go, 100%. Um, I should have said this, but actually in the episode 11, I was going into that hoping so much Chris would win. Um, episode 12, I was doing the same. I was like, this is like the thing that could just mix everything up and make it so much more juicy. Yeah. And also what I want to put out as well is Chris engineering Matt to get to the final three of that challenge over Nathan by telling him how to lasso the thing. Yeah, That was great. Do you think that was shown in real time? Do you think he said swing it around twice and then it was the next throw as we saw? Yeah. That is brutal. I really do. It just... Everything seemed like it was... Because you know sometimes how they're cut and you can see that clearly someone's at a different place in the challenge than they were before. Like Everything felt like it flowed to me. So I prob- I think do think, maybe missed once more, but I, I do think that it was very soon after that. Yeah, I would have loved to again see the raw footage of Matthew getting across in real time. It sounded like he like gunned it through. Oh yeah, he like, ran across that barrel. The only other side though is, even if Nathan did get through to that final challenge, I don't think that's a Nathan no, challenge. <laughs> <laughs> we saw how he was on the balance beam <laughs> yeah. I love it we get back then into the scramble this was I thought the best moment of Hannah's season so far when she's having the conversation with Matty and she is driving him towards let's be on board with this let's go for it and it is eventually Matthew kind of confirms to Hannah yes we're going to vote for Tanuke and Hannah goes and sort of shares the information with Pegleg, with Chris and it seems all steam ahead um, from that point of view. Really, really good gameplay by Hannah. How glad were you that Matthew decided to vote T out? It just over... Like, I was going to see Tanuka go. I did want her to win out of everyone there. But it just completely opened up the game. It completely changed how this season's going to go. And it's the most exciting outcome. It was... Mwah! Chef's kiss. <laughs> We've got to talk about Lawrence nearly foiling the plan, though. Yeah. Like, when he went up to... T- right, this is what I wrote in my notes in real time. When he went up to Tanuke and said, I put, Lawrence snitching to Tanuke, big brain or dumb, and then I put hyphen, dumb. Because <laughs> <In that, laughs> when he initially did it, I thought, oh, maybe telling them that she's getting some of the votes, maybe this is a good play for the jury vote, maybe. It stops her from being scared, but then as soon as it happened, I was just like, no, no, it's not. It's not a good move. Let's just not. I thought it was bad all round, to be honest. He's he's making everyone skittish. The only thing I can think is, was this him, like, in a very soft way, trying to pull out? You know, he doesn't want to openly say, I've been plotting against you with Matthew, but he just wants to say enough to maybe throw Matthew off wanting to do it in a weird way. Potentially, because the thing is here, if he throws Matthew under the bus, Matthew's going to throw him straight under the bus. So it's like, it's a it's a self-destructive move, really. Yeah. It was a very weak move. And I thought, actually, the whole thing was strange. I thought it was strange that he was being veiled. And I thought Tanuke's reaction was even worse, to be honest, 
when Tanuke hears the story of, oh, someone's been throwing out my name, and she goes and finds Hannah and Pegleg, and, like, totally out of character from anything we've seen, like, tries to strong-arm them. Oh, if I heard that was the vote, then I might have to change things a different way. Yeah, this was... So I think this is Tanuke's inner competitiveness coming out here. Like, this is... This is Tanuko set herself up so well. She knows she has this in the bag. Kalasun have just taken out a Lenena threat. The Lenenas are going to go home one by one. She's set. She's winning that 100k. And then suddenly, what? These people are just going to throw votes at me. Like, I think she knows that she, she knows that she's the best player there. She knows that she's having to play people's games for them. I think this was frustration, a bit of irritation. And I think it's valid. I just think, you know, she should have probably reined herself in slightly from a, a social game perspective. Yeah. I think if, if she had stayed in, you know, that would have had repercussions. And I didn't think it was even a great read, to be honest. I thought Hannah and Pegleg were pretty transparent that they were lying. You know, the shock. No, we we didn't say your name. That was news to us. It was like... See, like, I felt like it, it could have been worse, but I agree that it wasn't. Do you know what it was? Instead of being like, no, we're still on Chris, don't worry. They just sort of said, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. <laughs> like they were adding to the conversation, do you know what I mean? They were sort of denying it and trying to keep their composure. So I think that's the only thing that could have maybe tipped her off there. Yeah. But rightly, I think, it's, it's rightly for Matthew to get rattled by the whole incident and hearing it and being confused. Again, it's just Lawrence burning bridges. Um, especially going into the next part with seven people, falls a majority. Lawrence has just proved that he's not—he's not reliable, or trustworthy. <laughs> yeah, like realistically, if Nathan wins immunity, do you really want to take out Lay, or do you just sort of leave her in, go for Lawrence? That do you know, what I mean, like he's putting himself in a, a bit of a risky position. Yeah, I think Leilani is such a known quantity; it just makes sense to keep Leilani over Lawrence. I think Lawrence is in real danger. To be honest, same. I think Leilani's easier to read, and therefore she's a safer bet. Yeah. Well, let's get through episode twelve, then we can talk about the next time. But a little sneak peek there for our listeners. We go to tribal council. Uh, Matthew talks about taking big risks and getting big rewards, um, and then Chris delivers. <laughs> he absolutely delivers, and says that some people here on their holly bobs. Um, all they're here to do is to do the challenge, have a nap, um, and then go swimming and rock up to Tribal Council. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's brilliant. And I don't want to. I don't want to rag on Nathan here, but he calls Chris deceitful. <laughs> Keeps calling him deceitful after they've just blindsided Doug. Like, come on, get some perspective. I know. I know Chris is deceitful because he's playing a lying game, but you're also like, it's you know, just get some perspective. <laughs> I, I thought the best part was when I said Nathan said, oh, you lost me when you said swimming because I haven't swim since I've been here. And then he starts laughing and Chris says, it wasn't that funny. Yeah. <laughs> that was so good. Chris is a villain in the best way. <laughs> like... But it takes such balls not just to like laugh in that moment and just like pretend just to say that's not funny. Oh, dude. do you know what? I'm not even going to say it's a bad social play because at this point they've ostracized Chris so much. Yeah, basically made made him out to be this horrible person for playing the game. So you know, say what you want to say. 
<laughs> let it all out. And Nathan is really, I think, falling from grace in this edit. He was such at the beginning. If I think back to episode one, I rewatched episode one. And in that first episode, he just seems like this ultimate communicator and supporter. And he's always going to be there for the tribe. And it just feels like as episodes go by, he just gets, well, one, he gets more and more hungry. He just yeah, I think that's what it is. <laughs> like every time he doesn't eat, every time someone lies, it, it gets increasingly unhinged from, you know, just the, the sassy voting confessionals <laughs> to, to the snapping back, back at people. I, I think it has a bit of flavour to, to Nathan's character on the TV screen. So yeah. I'm not mad. <laughs> But I love this from Chris, TV gold. And he doesn't stop there. He then says that Tanuke doesn't talk to him and that he, she never involves him in his plans. <laughs> and it, it just showed how far this relationship was like unsalvageable. You know? Yeah. Like, as, uh, see, I think as soon as Chris started calling Tanuke at, at Tribal, she, uh, I mean, she probably was worried. But like for me, that's like, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> that's a bit scary. Because even if Chris does go, like, it's going to get people to start looking at you anyway. Yeah. I think the thing it does also do for Chris doing this very publicly is he's claiming the kill in front of the jury. Yes. Um, and that is a part of what you need to do. It's it's very, it's become really prominent in Australian Survivor in the last few seasons when people will look to the jury and they'll almost like wink at them to say, oh, you know, this I've done this, this is me. This was Chris doing the same thing for our jury. Yeah, and I think Chris's issue with winning chances is going to be the Calatons here. They obviously don't like him, but I think we see Lee, uh, Ash, and Doug's reaction on the jury. Like their votes are going to be locked in for Chris if Chris gets to the end. I truly believe that. Even though Lee hates Chris, like yeah. I think he has to respect that on some level. And I think we've got to talk about these jury reactions anyway as well because they're just. <laughs> Fantastic. I saw someone com- uh, comparing Ashley to Eliza in my yes. with the facial expressions. Uh, great, Jorah. This is gold. Yeah, all of them. They've looked they look cracking throughout. Like yeah. <laughs> I liked how they all coordinated their outfits as well. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit uh stay another day. <laughs> <laughs> oh I love that. <laughs> The other part of the Tribal Council for me is when Leilani's talking, she talks about how sad she was in the last vote when she had to vote out of Tuck. And in this one, she says she's fine with it. She's fine with the plan. <laughs> <laughs> is just a fantastic character. Like, there's a lot of people on this season where, although they haven't been strategic, their character moments are just gold. And like, I'm fo- like, as long as there is a game being played, I'm fo- always fine with there being people who are just there to crack some one-liners to react yeah. to things. And I think Leilani is a prime example of that. Yeah, not everyone can be the main character, can they? Unfortunately, but no. you're right. You need people to add a bit of spice. And I think my problem is when they get so far in the game, though, that it's just those people who are left. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, we go to the votes and things play out very much like they did in the scramble. We have a 4 3 1. Um, you could tell, though, as the votes were being read, you said it, the jury, absolutely shocked. Um, yeah. Do you know what? So <laughs> I I really didn't think this was going to happen. I thought they were building up to this, but because Matt has a confessional before the tribal where he says it's about timing, essentially, and it's about making the right move at the right time. So to me, that said, uh, She's not going to go home. Chris is going to go home. And I was just really expecting Chris to go home. 
and when the peg vote came up, my heart started pounding because I was like, no, like, <laughs> no way. And then when the, the final Sonic vote came up, like, my jaw hit the floor. <laughs> like, I was literally sat there, like, <laughs> for like 10 seconds. I was shocked. And it was, it's just so exciting. Yeah, I thought once it hit three, once you had the peg leg with one letter, and once it hit three, I was like, this is happening. It's going to yeah. go through. And Chris starts looking around at everyone, does that big gaping laugh and smile. Yeah, it was. And Tanuhe looked genuinely hurt when she saw her name. It was like. <laughs> the thing is, I think she would not have been surprised. She wasn't surprised to get the votes from the letters, even if. Um, she hadn't been told about it. I don't think she'd have been that surprised to get the votes from the Lenenas. I think it was the fact that someone from her alliance had flipped. Yeah. That was the shock to her. And she did look really, really shocked. It's quite interesting. I, I, I hope she's going to figure it out. I'm sure she will. You know, someone will tell her. But I thought it was really interesting. Even when she was voted out, she was saying, I don't think it would have been Nathan. I don't think it would be Matty. So what does she think's happened? She said she didn't think it would be Leilani either. I know it's kind of, she just doesn't understand. But yeah. Well, what I think is interesting about that is Rachel says exactly the same thing about, I don't think it would have been Matthew when she was voted out. And I think this is something that's either going to bite him in the butt or is going to be why he wins this game, depending on how the jury perceive his strategy over the game. Well, let's talk about it. Do you think Tanuki is going to hold a grudge? I don't think she will. No, I don't. Because Tanuki is one of these people that's watched the show. I think... I don't think she'd be happy about it, but I think she is someone that is able to respect the gameplay behind it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Tanuke becomes voted out of Survivor UK, becomes the fourth member of our jury. The jury is looking so impressive. We were a bit worried when it was Lee. (laughs) Lee became the first person on the jury. What's this jury going to look like? It feels actually like this is a really solid jury that are going to reward strategic gameplay. This might be the most iconic four first jurors ever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> such a great bunch. What weeks we've had, like, for it to be Ashley, Doug, Tanuke. Wild. Yeah. And I think Tanuke is, like, going to be recognised as, like, the official robbed goddess of Survivor UK. Like, if this move doesn't happen now, Tanuke wins this game. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's going to happen whether or not anyone likes it. And I think. As you said, Chris not going home last week may have been the one thing that stopped her from getting that 100k. Yeah. In Requiem of Tanuke, I think we will remember her as someone who played a practically flawless game, um, but someone who comes back with a score to settle. Great physically in challenges, great socially, great strategically. And I think in a lot of ways, she was playing the game ahead of the time compared to the rest of the cast. Um, the first orchestrator of the real blind side of Survivor UK. Yeah, glowing resume. Definite lock to come back on a returning season. I mean, number one, as we said, on our cast capital every single week. She she ran the game from start to her vote out. And uh, it's such a shame, but it's great for the season. <laughs> Overall, I think these are really really great two episodes we've had a banging post-merge hit after hit and it looks like we're set up really nicely for next week as well it looks like there's going to be a bit of fallout obviously from matt flipping over voting out to new k and strong hints as well around idle play 
in the next episode. Who do you think's at risk, though? I know we've talked a lot about Lawrence, but but realistically, give me two names that you think are most likely to go next week. I would be shocked if Nathan makes it out of the next two episodes. Okay. Just because I think he's in a clear minority. Maybe to be fair, if you win, he could win both and get through. But I don't think there's any way for Nathan to get into that majority now. I am really worried in episode thirteen. I won't do fourteen because. Yeah, so much could change. But in episode 13, I think the people most likely to go are Lawrence as kind of just a consensus. No one needs him in the middle votes. And I think Matthew is the other one who's at risk for me. I also just want to throw it out there. Chris is at risk until he wins this game. Like, I would not be shocked at any point if Chris gets sniped out at any single one of these votes. Because obviously Peg and Hannah don't really like Chris that much as a player in this game. Mm. So as soon as they have the numbers, it's very easy to just turn around and vote him out. Yeah. And the extra part is that with Tanuke and Doug gone, realistically, his only competition here is Matthew in terms of making strategic moves. Yeah. And I think Chris can even argue it wasn't all Matthew who took out Tanuke. That was me who got the idea in there. It was me who cemented it. I think... Yeah, we're, we're really approaching the end game really quickly. I think it would be a big mistake for Chris to try and take out Matthew before final five, final four. I think he needs that shield desperately. I think it all depends on who's there. True. Yes. Listen, these are the things that we're all going to be debating in our upcoming episode with Bandit Survivor, which we're hoping to release this week, probably Wednesday, Thursday time. In that episode, we're going to be breaking down of the seven remaining players... What is the narrative or the story they're going to be selling to the jury? And what's the best possible final three um, for them to take to be the winner of Survivor UK? I'm really excited for it. It's going to be an awesome episode. And it's been brilliant, Matt, being together, being able to chat through this with you. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, I mean, you can just tell from our our excitement levels. Like, (laughs) look at the runtime. (laughs) 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 I just have so much more to say. I'm really excited. I'm really enthused. And I'm just so glad that we're back on track. Anything anything else you wanted to chuck in about two episodes? I don't think so. I mean, we could just talk for hours. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, we've gone for two, so... (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully the version you are listening to will have been cut down. Okay, Matt, for the people, shout out the socials. Yeah, so you can follow us on Instagram at the Sito Bench, all lowercase with full stops. We'll be posting all our weekly polls. Uh, so get on there, get engaging with us, voting for your favourites. Uh, and you can also find us uh, at the Sito Bench on X for live tweets every week. From me and Matt, that's everything. See you next time. See you next time, guys. Bye.